Behold the voice of God. For those of you who don't know me officially, my name is Amanda Waller. And I am Aaron Mosh, your host of Task Force X. What, are we some kind of suicide squad? Well, yeah, that and... Checkmate. Task Force X is a podcast that tells the stories of John Ossinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kupperberg's Checkmate from the late 80s, early 90s. I want to build a team of some bad people who can do some good. And that's what Suicide Squad is. While Checkmate is a team of good people doing some good. My mission here is to chronicle each and every title and all the books that Suicide Squad and Checkmate appeared in during that era. We're the U.S. government. <laughs> You're going to start a blog and expose us? Well, a blog and a headcast, Amanda. Those scumbags are trying to screw me. Not at all, Amanda. Just trying to help everyone else discover the joy of the Suicide Squad and Checkmate. Anywho, hope you guys have as much fun with these comics as I did when I first read them. Oh, so many years ago. Mother... That's enough of that, Amanda. Let's go ahead and start the show. I didn't believe the stories. Nobody does. Remember, I'm watching. I see everything. Welcome back to Task Force X. Uh, this month, we're not going to talk about a Suicide Squad. As the title indicates, we've got a double dose of Checkmate as Invasion Hits Checkmate. Dun, dun, dun! All right, a little dramatic, but it's me. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Invasion, in case you didn't know, was a crossover series that came out from DC Comics in the late late 80s. Let's narrow that down a little bit. came out in late 88. I'm not going to talk much about the actual Invasion itself here. I'll give some brief overviews. If you want more on it, over on my Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, I talked about it. Well, again, due to my delays like I've had on this show, I started talking about it November of 2016. I had the first episode. And then in May, I talked about the second issue. And September of 2017, I talked about the third issue. And the related books, Starman, Manhunter. I talked about Flash. And one or two other books. I can talk about Firestorm. I forget now. It's been a while. But... If you want to know more about that, go ahead and check out my Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. And if you want a more in-depth look at it, check out uh, some buddies of the show, Siskoid uh, and Boss, or on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. They have a show called First Strike, the Invasion Podcast, where they look at each individual issue that happened to cross over, plus the main series. It's very in-depth, and it's a good show. Uh, they may be wrong on some of their opinions, but, you know, it's all right. They're Canadians. What do you want? <laughs> but, no, that's a good, that's a good uh, show. Check it out. I'll play a promo for that later in the show. It's still ongoing. But enough about them. Let's go and talk briefly about Invasion. Invasion was a crossover from uh, late 88 from DC Comics. And, basically, it was a three-issue series that crossed over into a lot of the books that were ongoing at the time. They told about a, a group of aliens. The main force was the Dominators, and they teamed up with some other races, the, the Coons, the uh, Scions, and some other guys. And they invaded Earth because, well, their, their main goal was to destroy Earth. and Well, not necessarily destroy Earth, but they were trying to stop Earth's uh, human population. Uh, they noticed that Earth had an increasingly amount, large amount of metahumans. And so they want to find out why and kind of stop that. Uh, the Dominators had a background. Again, this is all spoilers for the, the series. The Dominators themselves had a, a secondary goal, and they were trying to find a way to use Earth's uh, metahumans. Uh, I'm not going to go into more detail than that. I may touch upon it in the book itself as I talk about Checkmate. But Checkmate issues uh, 11 and 12 crossed over into the Invasion series. And also Suicide Squad did. So next month, we'll go ahead and talk about the Suicide Squad portion of it. But for now, we're going to talk about Checkmate's uh, involvement with the Invasion. We're going to start with Checkmate number 11. The cover date on this said holiday of 1988, but the actual on-sale date was October the 11th of 1988. The cover price was a buck and a quarter. This was like a new format book still. Editor was Jonathan Peterson. The title of this issue was God Save the Queen. Written by Paul Kupperberg. 
Pencil by Steve Irwin. Inker was Al Vey. Letter, August Moss. Augustine Moss. Sorry about that. The colorist was still Julianne Freder. And the cover credits was by Gil Kane. And just some comment. Again, that, all, that information and the following information I'm about ready to give you all comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. It's a great site. Check it out. Uh, the comments, again, from Mike's site says that this issue is labeled as an Evasion First Strike Extra. Brief touch on that. Each set of books that came out during that month that, that uh, the main issue came out, like I said, there's three issues. Each of the books that tied into that storyline had a cover title on it that labeled it. There was First Strike, and then there was a couple of others. I forget right offhand. We'll get to the other one here in a minute. But uh, to kind of let you know where it takes place in the scheme of the invasion. Uh, so again, the synopsis from Mike's Amazing World. Following the alien invasion of Earth, a group of terrorists takes over the House of Parliament in England. Checkmate night, Lionel Hawkins responds to the threat. He defeats the gunmen, who, although human, have aligned themselves with aliens. The group's leadership remains at large and is planned to assassinate the Queen. Checkmate tracks the group and captures most of them. Only four men escape. When they stage their attack at the state of Lord Benchley, the knight thwarts their attack. He is nearly killed by the leader of the terrorists, but Scott Jamison shoots the gunman before he can execute Hawkins. And now, as usual, on to my thoughts. As normal, we start talking about the cover, because that's the first thing. Uh, the cover of this, again, it's another great Gil Kane cover. And again, I think you could look and see this is Gil... You could tell this is Gil Kane without me telling you that, if you look at the cover. Because it's very Gil Kane-ish. It's just got the, the ink and the, the, just the way everything looks. But we got this cover. We've got a brick wall. In front of that brick wall, we have our knight. Got a, a gun of some sort in each hand. Uh, looks like maybe a submachine gun, a newsy. I'm not a gun guy, so I'm not sure. He's firing, swinging the guns around, shooting at people. It's shooting at him, apparently. Below him are two unconscious guys, uh, possibly dead. We're not quite sure. There's a gun laying at his feet. Some blood stains on the back wall behind him. And as I mentioned in the uh, comment, it is labeled Evasion First Strike Extra. Overall, I like this cover. Oh, I'll be, you know, I may mention this again later. Depends on my thoughts, but... And Checkmate really didn't have a lot to do with the Invasion. It's minor. You could change it to almost anything else. Make a couple of story points here, or changes here and there. Not a big, significant difference. Uh, but I do like that Paul tried to tie it into, check, or into the Invasion. So, uh, let's get off the story itself. We start out over in England... We get a little blurb here that tells us it's the House of Commons, London, England. Again, being an American, I, I know this is somewhere in England, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you it was called the House of Commons. Uh, we do get some dialogue saying that, you know, it's a special joint session of the two houses of parliament. And they're talking about how the alien invaders have established a beachhead on Australia, prompting a request for immediate military assistance. And we get something, as I've talked about before, what I love. A little blurb here that says, see Invasion number one for details. A little editor's note, I love those. And then we get our, our shenanigans monkeys, if you will, of busting in, shooting guns, rat tat tat Screaming out, don't try anything you'll regret. You're all prisoners of the free men from the Alien Alliance. And their spokesman here says that aliens have offered opportunity to fulfill their aims in exchange for a little cooperation on their end. And one of the guys calls him out and says, you know, what you, you know what you're doing? These aliens. And the guy shoots him dead. He's like, aye, my lords. Traitors to the British Empire, perhaps, but true to ourselves and the idea of freedom. And I'll talk a little more about their, their motivations here in a minute. But as we go along, we get a couple guys, and one of them, he's sitting there. He just shot a cop. He's like, stupid bleeding copper. Charge right into the muzzle of a loaded automatic weapon. And he's looking around for someone else. All of a sudden, something... Hits him in the neck. He can't see what it is. And we see he lays there bleeding to death. They're not already dead. Next panel, we get a guy kind of sulking around with his, another Uzi, one of the bad guys you can tell. A noose comes down and grits around his neck and chokes him to death. And then we're outside the main doors. We get a couple guys talking about, you know, we should hurry up. 
And uh, one of his buddies like, relax, will you? They don't dare try death while we're holding their precious government. And all of a sudden, they both get shot and taken out. And then, surprise, surprise, the next page. Uh, page. Again, they're not numbered. I don't like that. But it looks like it's page three. We get our knight standing there. And I love this page. We get our knight standing there. He's got a, uh, a vest on full of pouches. Again, this was leading into the 90s when pouches were a thing. Uh, this may be one of the things that started it off. <laughs> but it's a knight with a bunch of pouches on his vest. He's got a smoking uh, gun of some sort. He's standing over the dead bodies of the two guys he just shot. And he talked about how, you know, there's a traffic jam that kept him, that delayed him from getting here on time. Again, as I said, I, re I really like the way this page is drawn and inked and everything. Steve and Al did a fantastic job on this page. And let's not forget our, our Joanna, Juliana Fredder, the, the, the colorist. Great job. Anyways, the next couple pages we have the night taken out. These guys that are trying to, that are holding Parliament hostage. Again, there's some good battle scenes here. Here on page, I'm going to call it page five. We get the knight leaping down on top of one of them, smashing to the ground. And one of the bad guys, again, I lose track who they are. Just one of the nameless bad guys grabs one of the, the parliament guys and he says, Get back, drop the weapon, or I'll. I'll and also, grab, bang! And one of the guys, the parliament guys, councilman or whatever he is, apparently just shot the guy in the back. He's, I like this line here at the bottom of this page. He's like, he shoots the guy in the back, the guy turns like, what, what the, who shot me? And he's like, if you had half a brain, you would have searched us. Blam! Shoots him again. <laughs> and again, so, uh, I mentioned earlier that these guys, they're part of the, you know, the Humans for Free Alliance or some bull ass. But, uh, again, these guys aren't very bright. They, they don't realize what the aliens have in store for humanity if they win. They think that the aliens are going to let them be free. <sighs> Again, seeing how they're afraid of humanity gaining superheroes, who knows what they're going to do to the world if they were to win the battle. But again, it's very realistic where you get stupid people that's, that's doing something that's against their own better good because they think they know what's going on when they actually don't. So I said the knight came in, he took out the group that was holding uh, the parliament guys hostage. As backup comes running in, because I hear it sounds like a war zone. Again, <laughs> this next page, after the page where the, the oh, what he is, the, the, the parliament guy shoots the, the bad guy. The next page, at the very bottom of the uh, page, we get some of the bad guys rushing up to the chamber to see what's going on. And... <laughs> What's he say here is like, where are they? It looks like a war zone out here. One of the guys, it was a bloody roost to draw us out of the chamber. The checkmate night steps out. He's like, click, smart lad. Two had to figure out sooner. He just mows down these five guys. Again, they're a little slow on the draw. I don't know why they didn't fire at him automatically, but they waited, they hesitated. And our knight, being a, a good soldier, blew him away. I love this panel here, uh, the layout. It, it, you get, there's no gore, there's no blood or anything, but you can see that these guys are just being wasted. We get the five guys in silhouette. The knight's facing us, shooting at us, basically, as he's hitting the, the five bad guys, the, the villains, if you will. And in front of their silhouette, the reason they're silhouettes, it's all lit up with the gunfire. It's shows how much bullets he's pouring into these chumps. <laughs> And then I, we get the knights monologuing internally. And he said, you know, he's never been particularly enjoyed this uh, aspect of his work. He finds it feel difficult to find remorse for, you know, cold-blooded monsters who believe their cause placed above the law. And then the next thing we know, we don't see it happen, but he changes suits. He comes out dressed as a gentleman, if you will. Uh, the guard stops. Where did you come from? He's like, Lionel Hawkins, first undersecretary of the Ministry of the Interior. Will this do? Hey, oh, sorry to bother you, sir. And he walks off twirling his umbrella. You're just doing your job. Carry on, constable. <laughs> and he goes out, and the chauffeur 
Chauffeur in quotes meets him. Good morning, Sir Lionel. I trust you what is planned? Quite. Thank you, Benson. And he gets in the back of the car and he says he's got some business to attend to. He opens up his briefcase he has. And in there we see the checkmate costume, his guns. And he's reporting in, you know, saying the situation's been neutralized. And I just love the fact that these guys, you know, this guy's like a, a British lord or something, apparently. Or what was he? Uh, this is right here, stupid. The first undersecretary to the Ministry of the Interior, which is a political position. Yet he's also a knight and apparently a, a badass knight that can kick some butt. <laughs> and again, I'm not familiar with uh, England and their, their military and their, their, their constables and all that. But some of these guys is getting ready to storm the building, not realizing the knights are taking out the bad guys. On one of their, their uniforms, it has the word unit. And I know unit was something in Doctor Who. So I'm assuming, I, I thought maybe unit was made up for Doctor Who. But apparently, just to show, again, show my American ignorance, apparently unit is an actual thing, I'm assuming. Because Checkmate's using it also. So, it's interesting. I might have to look into that. But anyways, enough about that. And then we get a brief scene, uh, Lionel. Lionel? Is that his name? Doesn't sound right. Again. Yeah, Lionel. Lionel at the Checkmate's London Safe House. Uh, checking in, getting an update. Talking about, you know, the humans cooperating with the aliens. And one of the guys there, uh, Scott, is saying, you know, it's, you know, usually fighting aliens and this kind of stuff's not Checkmate's deal. They're, they're dealing, you know, that's usually what Superman his kind deal with. You know, while they deal with the regular people. <laughs> but yeah, a little brief little run in there. And then we're several miles out north of London where we get one of the... Uh, Guys, his name's Nolan. He's in there and he's talking to his TV. And again, so as I said, this isn't a big tie-in. I don't think we see any actual aliens in the story. The Dominators, the, the Scions, or the uh, Coons or anything. In fact, you could you, you could probably change the wording here in this TV boat. He's talking to the TV. Or look like a TV. He's getting his information from. I mean, you could change the wording just a little bit. And it could be almost any story set in anything. So I, part of me wonders, and maybe next time I talk to Paul, I'll ask him if this was actually written for Invasion or if this was something else that was co-opted and turned into an Invasion story. Because, yeah, like I said, they're aliens, we never see, they're dealing with the, the human portion of the Invasion, not dealing with actually the aliens invading us. Just the, uh, the offspring of it. If I remember right. And so, again, we get some more uh, spy spy stuff as Lionel is following some of the guys that he suspects of being a part of this group. And again, not much really to say here. It's just they're doing their spy stuff. They're following them around. Uh, the, the uh, what do we, I forget what you want to call them. The humans are siding with the aliens, are driving this truck around. This is Cavendish Supermarkets. Way to call around weapons and whatever they need to. Not much really to say here. It's good. Again, it's good. It's our good. Good artwork. It's not fantastic, but it, it's. I bet it's been just all right. I enjoyed the artwork in uh, Checkmate. It's a little. It was still four color. It's not as dark and gritty as Suicide Squad is. It is more colorful, if you will. It looks a little more realistic than your average Supergirl comic. And again, Realistic in quotes, in my opinion. Here at the bottom, again, we get, uh, forget who it is, his name's Sir Walter, leaving uh, the Ministry of Eternal Security. And as he leaves, some kid runs up and steals his briefcase. And he's running by, he throws it in a dump truck, and it looks like he throws it in the back. And so the minister guy here thinks that the briefcase is destroyed. Apparently, the briefcase had security plans. And so he's like, eh, better they're destroyed than someone else have them. Even if it was just a stupid young mugger. And the last panel here, we get the guy walking away with his driver. Said he's got to get the duplicates of the papers from his uh, safe back in the office. And on the side of the garbage truck, we see a guy disguised 
as a garbage truck driver. Maybe he actually works or he's just part of the resist the uh, resistance, but I guess he considers himself the resistance. Holding the briefcase, kind of laughing. <laughs> and then we cut back to the night that was following the uh, the Ca- Cavendish supermarket's truck. And one of the guys bends down. I'm not sure what they're doing here. Oh, that's what he's, one of the guys drops his cigarettes, it looks like. Yeah, one of the guys drops cigarettes when they bend down to pick them up. They see the Knight's transmitter on the bottom of the truck. And the two guys are like, oh, I mean, someone's on to us. And the guy's like, keep your voice down. What do we do? We get out of here, just you and me. You and I. But what about the others? Looks like they just become expendable. And so these two guys walk off. And one of them was Nolan that we talked about just a few minutes ago. Because we're back inside and the guys are like, where's Nolan at? Just saw him and Sean stroll off. You know, those two always talking and playing together. And these guys have crates of weapons they're unloading in the house. Meanwhile, outside, we get the checkmate night throwing a smoke grenade in. And again, a little... I like this here. We don't really see the fight. We see uh, on this page, page 14, it looks like. The knight throws a grenade in the room. There's some smoke. He jumps in the window. There'll be three panels. Well, of the broken window, then a good window. And we hear crash, bow, bash, whap, chop, 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 bam, bam. Just the fighting sound of the third panels. Boink. <laughs> I love the way this is done here. Again, if this was, I don't know if this was Paul or the artist or Steve's idea to draw it this way, but whoever laid it out, you know, we don't actually see the fight. And I know most people, well, you have to see the fight as part of reading the comic or watching the movie or doing it. But I just love the way, you know, we don't see the fight, but we do see the results of it afterwards. The next page, you get the knight standing around. There's two, four, six guys laying around. The TV's broke. Things are knocked over a lamp or a vase. A pitcher's cockeyed. There's still a little bit of smoke drifting in the wind. <laughs> Knights of real control. All is well on this end. Although I do seem to have made a frightful mess. <laughs> Maybe just me, but I, I love Paul Kupperberg's his writing in this, the dialogue. I think he does a fantastic job. And again, we get Lionel again talking with, uh, I think his name was Scott. Again, he's doing some more catch-up, some more, you know, talky-talky. And then we get another little burp saying that we're somewhere in Surrey. And we get Nolan and a couple of three other guys sitting around talking about how they're finished, their guys are captured, there's nothing else they can do. And uh, I think this is Nolan's like, look, the authorities believe the conspiracy has been crushed, right? We still got their security arrangements, so I say we do it. Just the four of us? Aye, just the four of us. To kill the Queen of England. And so we're like, we'll hear day three. The country estate of Lord Benchley again. And we get the checkmate knight again in his Lionel whatever disguise. Basically talking with, uh, I believe it's one of the pawns. And they're, they're kind of pointing out to the reader, you know, they got the anti-terrorist squad on the grounds. And they're kind of pointing out to us, you know, we see a couple guys with radios in their ears and little earbuds. Seeing how some of the plain clothesmen are milling some of the planes closed, cops are milling around with the guests, and some of the staff is undercover. And then we get Nolan coming in. They have to go through a security check, a battle search, and then he's kind of pointing out to himself where his wrestler's group is. He's got a couple guys as waiters, one Flannery and Bailey, who took place to the staff. And then they see Sean as just one of the guys at the party. And they're waiting for the queen to arrive. And the queen arrives at the party. She's getting out of the limo coming up. Uh, I believe this is, this is Nolan, I believe. He's, the guy, he's got a small gun watching through the crowd as the queen comes up. And he's just like, close, so closer, old girl. Also, we get a pow, a shot. This way, hurry, ma'am. Let me see Nolan. Good God. And someone sees that he's been shy, falls on the ground. And then we get the knight sitting on top of the building with a rifle. He's like, I got him. And then all heck breaks loose as the other three start returning fire. And the, the parliament security guys or whatever they are, they start shooting back. 
And then we get a little gunfight here at the bottom of page 19, it looks like. Yeah, and then, and then the next page, I like this next page here. The knight's on top of this building where he, he took out the, the one guy. And he's like, it's time to get down there. The faster way I know how. And did we just see him in a, on this far left-hand panel going down the entire page? We see him doing a series of leaps onto each ledge down to get to the ground. I love the way that's drawn. Love the way we see you know how he's he's getting down to the earth. <laughs> it's a great scene. Hey, yeah, we all fight with the knight coming up behind the other three goons. He takes them out quickly because that's what he does. And again, I like here on page twenty-one. One of them, he pulls the gun out, turns the gun on the knight, and he's like, you better hope that ridiculous-looking Max Bulletproof mates. And the knight just swings the, his staff into the guy's arm. He's like, can't see it mattering, making him drop the, the gun. He's like, especially, or since you two seem to be woefully, woefully lacking in bullets, not to mention consciousness, as he kicks and both of them knocks them both out. And then finally, here on page 22, a bullet shoots right past the knight's head. He turns and he sees the one he shot earlier. I have lost track of which one's which. I think maybe Nolan it was the first guy he got shot from his sniper position. He's all, stupid, bleeding bastards. You've got no idea what you've done. He's like, drop it, friend. At this range, your shot won't pierce my armor, and I assure you, you won't get a second chance. One's all that we needed. Man, this one's the guard's guns, and they take it using Teflon-coated slugs. And he shoots the knight, the knight, and the bullet goes into his armor. Past his armor, we see blood come splurting out. Again, I like this scene here at the bottom of page 22. Yeah, bottom of page 22. Or he gets shot in the shoulder, and blood just goes, <laughs> splurts out. And he goes up to, he shoots the knight in the hand because the knight's laying on the ground, pops out one of his little uh, holdout weapons. And uh, Nolan shoots him in the hand, makes him drop the gun. And he's about ready to shoot. He's standing, he's, so he got some dialogue going on. He's like, no, it doesn't work that way. You don't get out of paying your dues for this. He's like, then stop talking about it. Just get it over with. And then we get close with the knight's mask. And then we see from the knight's point of view as he watches as Nolan gets ready to shoot him. And so they get another close-up of the knight's mask. His eyes are closed. He's waiting for, you know, the bullet to kill him. I said, bam! <laughs> He's like, funny. I thought it'd be different. And he opens his eyes. And again, we get a knight's point of view from his mask. As we see Nolan fall into the round shots. And Scott, the guy he's been talking with, part of checkmate. Hey, knight. Hey, knight. It's okay, I got it. How you doing, man? I'm not quite sure, old boy. I'd rather think that's up to a doctor to tell me. Seems I owe you, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, now that I think out there, something you can do for me, Lionel. Never, boy, anything. Stop calling me old boy. Because all through the issue, a Lionel, being a country, or a country, a uh, English gentleman, calls this American chap old boy. So he's just, hey, stop calling me old boy. And then if we are next issue blurb, the threat of the invasion continues with a night at Cape Canaveral. Again, night spelled K-N-I-G-H-T. Paramedics show up and our story ends. Again, overall, a good, another good solid book. My only, it's not really a problem because, again, it, it fits in. It didn't have any problems with the story-wise. But I, I wonder if this was an invasion story to begin with or if it was something that Paul Monkey Wrenched and fit into the invasion story. Oh, yeah, I need to make a note to talk next time I talk to him to ask him about that because I'm curious now. In fact, I mean, I've got him on Facebook. I may hit him up there and get his opinion on that. But, anyways, that was issue 11 of Checkmate. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Checkmate number 12. Be right back. We'll be back with much more fun. Now, don't you change that channel, son. Coming soon from Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake a Batman Universe Podcast Network production. It's the radio drama you've demanded. Well, it's the one Rob produced and made into a four-part weekly radio drama. 
From the pages of Detective Comics comes A Lonely Place of Living. Where in the world is Tim Drake? Red Robin faces a crucial decision, escape the most devious prison ever devised, or find himself abandoned beyond time and space for all eternity. Not really a choice, right? But when he finds out just who is locked in there with him, Tim's world will change in ways he never imagined. In the biggest undertaking Robin Everyone Loves the Drake has ever attempted, ELTD Theater is in full swing, with over 20 voice actors from a variety of popular podcasts lending their talents to make the comics come alive. Featuring Justin Kowalski as Batman. And all the time he's been out there, lost and trapped, knowing that at the end of the day his mentor was one of the world's greatest detectives on the planet. He knew I was coming. I wasn't! And I can't stop until I bring him home. Andrew Leland as Alfred. Master Bruce, you need to sleep even just a few hours. I'm getting ready to pull out one of Dr. Crane's more narcotic gases from the laboratory if you continue like this. Andy Giginova as Nightwing. Robin? You want me to go back to being Robin? I can't. Just as I can't go back to being 13 again. But you're right. Batman needs me. Maybe instead of arguing with him, I should try and help him. Olivia Mullins as Batwoman. Unconscious the next roof over. We could turn him over to Argus. I know they'll want someone to answer for his crimes. Stella Bowman as Spoiler. Hey, Dad. How's your night going? Still dead? Yeah, thought so. The Irredeemable Shag as Brother Eye. Brother Eye is now online. Michael Bailey as Mr. Oz. Your mentor. He recently learned that you were alive. That you were trapped. But search as he might, he cannot find you. He hasn't slept in five nights, save for moments that he nods off in the chair. It consumes him. Rob Myers as Red Robin. I thought, I thought I would impress him. The way that I pieced it all together, and God, I wanted to impress him. I'd only met him once, just as a boy. I was terrified of the circus, but he calmed me down, and he told me that he would be performing just for me. And many, many more. The first episode hits the first Wednesday in May, so prepare your ears for the story that changes everything for Tim Drake. Hold on tight, Tim. As tight as you can to every moment, because this will all be over sooner than you can imagine. Beginning in 2018, the Who's Who podcast enters the 1990s with our coverage of the Loose Leaf Editions. Featuring Superman by Jerry Ordway. The Joker by Brian Bolland. Wonder Woman by George Perez. Sandman by Mike Dringenberg. Batman by Norm Brayfogle. The JLI by Adam Hughes. Eclipso by Bart Sears. The Legion of Superheroes by Keith Giffen. Dark Stars by Travis Charest. Lobo by Simon Bisley. Ken Shakespeare by Chris Spratt. Who is that? Doomsday by Tom Grummet. Wait, are we covering these by issue or in alphabetical order? The Justice Society of America by Mike Parabek. The Forever People again? You are f***ing kidding me. Doom Patrol by Richard Case. <sighs> I'm so confused. And many more. The Who's Who podcast, going boldly into the 90s. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I guess. You know the story of Kal-El. Heck, you know Superman's origins. Rocket to Earth from a dying planet, grew up in Smallville, and so on. But, you don't know the full story. Come join your hosts, Pat Sampson, Matt Moore, and Aaron Moss, as they, and you, witness the history of a historic character. And, there may be surprises too along the way. The Krypton Podcast. Part of the DC TV Podcast Network, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also at kryptonpodcast.com. Come, listen, enjoy. Welcome back. Now for checkmate number 12. This was on sale. Actually, I'm sorry, the cover date was February of 1989. So from holiday of 88 to February of 1989. 
but the on-sale date was December the 13th, 1988. Still a buck and a quarter. Still edited by Jonathan Peterson. The title of this one was called Night Launch. Again, Night with a K. The writer was Paul Kupperberg. Penciler still Steve Irwin. Inker Al Vey. Letterer John Costanza. Colorist Juliana Ferrer. And the cover on this one was by Art T. Bear. And again, the comments on this one says that this issue is labeled as an Invasion Aftermath Extra. And there's another comment about the final panel of this story depicts the detonation of the gene bomb and leads into Invasion 3. And apparently, uh, over by Starman, Manhunter, Venture, I'm talking about a storyline that's uh, with Manhunter where he's in Australia looking for some alien artifacts and he meets up with a checkmate knight. Apparently, this is chronologically where that story happens. So that should be coming out this month and next month, I believe it is. That storyline. So, again, if you're curious on Checkmate and you want to see where they're going, you can check out my Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, uh, issue 10 of Manhunter, which I've already released. It was episode 11. I released that a couple months ago. It was called Return to the New Normal. And that goes for two issues, or three issues. Manhunter 11 and Manhunter 12, which is episodes, like I said, 11, 12, and 13 of my Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, if you're curious about that. So, uh, but again, back onto this story. Uh, the synopsis for this, again, all this still comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Uh, synopsis, during the alien invasion of Earth, Cape Canaveral was attacked. The damage set back to the American Space Program. One shuttle, the Lannis, commanded by Colonel Ben Rogers, survived the attack. An urgent mission is put together for the shuttle team to launch a TriSat defense satellite. However, a series of technology thefts leads Checkmate to believe that someone inside the space program is trying to sabotage the mission. Knight Connie Webb joins the shuttle crew. She uncovers flight engineer Dick Gulladari, who has taken navigation technology intended for a planned Mars mission. He dies before he can reveal his plan or his accomplices. When the mission gets underway, Colonel Rogers reveals herself or reveals himself as another traitor. He tries to guide the shuttle towards the alien fleet in orbit. He helps to gain interstellar technology from aliens. However, before they can reach the fleet, it leaves orbit following the alien defeat by the Earth's heroes. Webb takes down Rogers and completes the mission to launch the satellite. Before they return to Earth, the remaining crew witnesses a small alien ship fire device towards Earth, which detonates an explosion of black light, which, again, I talked about over on my uh, Starman Manhunter podcast. Oh, last year. Yeah, I guess it was last year I talked about it. And I mentioned earlier. Anyways, now on to my thoughts. We start out with the cover. The cover, we get a picture of a knight in space. He's got a space helmet on. He's floating upside down. He's got a gun pointed directly at us, the camera. Behind him, we see, I assume it's the Earth, the Moon, and a bunch of the ships from the alien invasion. The title of this, we get the checkmate. Below that, we get a little blurb saying Invasion, X-Math Extra. If you weren't following Invasion, as I think I talked about earlier, uh, the Invasion was the, the crossover I talked, I've talked about previously, I've talked about earlier this episode. But each book had a label letting you know when it took place within the three, three issues. Uh, the Knight's face, he, he's got a look of terror on his face. All you can see is his eyes, but the artwork on this is just magnificent. Even though, like I said, you only see his eyes, I, I think that Art T-Bear did a fantastic job on this because, again, you can tell he's got, like, in sheer terror of what he sees. Or at least that's why I look at it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I can see sheer terror on this guy's face as he's pointing his gun at, at us. We, we can't see what he's pointing at, but personally, I think it's a really good cover. I mean, it may not be top 10 cover, so you want to hang on your wall, but I think that Art T-Bear did a fantastic job in displaying emotion. Uh, we get the sense of the invasion force behind our character. Let's know where we're at. This place place in space. It's just a great issue. And again, the first page, 
we start out with uh, the alien invaders attacking NASA, or NASA Cape Canaveral, and uh, we get a little radio blurb, you know, from the Expeditional News Network. Thank you, Michael Bailey. It says this was the scene in Cape Canaveral as it underwent blistering attack by the fleet of assault aircraft from the alien invasion armada. It lets us know basically on this page what's going on and the damage being done. And this is the first couple of pages where we get the attack and we find out that Earth's fighting back and they're getting ready to go into space to combat the aliens. Again, great, great page. This first page, I mean, we don't have anything heroic on it. We have the Cape Canaveral. We get people running around, things on fire. And yeah, maybe it makes me sadistic, but I think it's great. But I think it's a great, great page. The artwork on here is great. We see the alien ships flying around, bombing everything. It's just fantastic. And they move through our story. And then here on page three, I love when these are numbered. We get a knight jumping off of a, a building. I'm not sure off the roof where she came from, but we had a knight. And I say she. Again, we can see her, her girly bits. So we know it's a female in this knight attacking these guys. We get this female knight jumping out and just knocking these two, I'm going to call them hoods, uh, to the ground. There's Behind her, there's two other guys laying. Uh, there's look like a cracked window. And two guys laying in front of an open door. We can tell that she's just kicked some serious butts. Again, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to probably say it every time I talk about Checkmate. I, I love the costume, whether it's on a male or female. It's just a great-looking costume. It's either black or blue, depending on the artist, with the yellow visor, the yellow uh, chest plate, and our upper arms. It's just great. Uh, she's got a cute butt here on page... I spoke too soon about being numbered. Page four. But that's another story entirely. And as she's taking care of these guys, the car pulls up and starts blasting them. And just here, bottom of page four, we get you know, these three guys in masses, you know, firing some sort of machine guns or Uzis or something. And she pops out her little little handhold gun, whatever, from the uh, her concealed gun that's in the little pouch in her wrist. And then she realizes that she wasn't the target, that these guys were actually gunning the guys that she just took out keep them from speaking any information to let them know. And then we were back to the Checkmate safe house at Daytona Beach where we see our knight, a uh, little blonde gal. Uh, again, as my buddy the ordeal shag would say, she is hot. <laughs> Talking with uh, Mrs. Ms. Guinness, one of the, uh, the higher-ups at Checkmates. Again, we got the, this gal sitting back, drinking a drink in her bikini, getting some sun while she's getting caught up on the news of what's going on and the other players in the game. And then like here on the next page again, they've stopped numbering them after the page three. Oh, here's page seven. So some pages are numbered, some aren't. Or maybe I'm just looking in the right area. Okay, these pages are numbered. I'm just an idiot at times. <laughs> so yeah, these are numbered. One, some on the left, some on the right. Even and odd. So anyways, so after I put my foot in my mouth, on page seven... Thank you for the page numbering. We get some more monologuing, some more uh, thought processes by our blonde knight, who we find out, at least here, she's she my Commander Webb. I'm assuming that's Webb's her real name because she talks how she used to be in the Navy and she gave up her commission to join Checkmate. And Ms. Guinness pulled a lot of strength to get her back in uniform, so they're trying to infiltrate her back into, the, into NASA to find out what's going on. And as she's relating this, here at the top of page 7, we get a truck labeled NASA pulling up. And he's the driver of the truck's giving another guy in NASA uniform a little box. He says, you got to get back before you're missed. We'll talk later. So again, these two guys are up to some shady stuff. Uh, <laughs> I picked that word up. And, I mean, I know the word shady, but they were using that in training for my new job at the IRS and my new position. And, so I had to throw that in here. So they got these guys, two guys doing some shady stuff here, passing this box back and forth. And then we actually get Connie talking to her uh, commander. His name's Ben Rogers. Well, I guess not. Guy in charge. Ben Rogers. He's a colonel. There you go. In our night, Connie Webb is talking with, again, uh, what's his name? I just said it. 
Colonel Ben Rogers. Colonel Rogers, I wonder if he used to be a captain. Um, <laughs> Marvel joke, sorry. Uh, <laughs> so again, as I like here at the bit, page bottom, page seven, uh, they're walking along talking, and behind them we can see the wreckage and destruction from when the aliens attacked. It's just nice overall. Keeping the continuity of the story going. I don't know. Just they could have done without all the, the showing the debris, but they have the debris there, which kind of hits home. Very nice. And then on the next page, page eight, when Connie meets the rest of her crew, she's introduced to shuttle pilot Major Ray Allen, civilian mission specialist Naomi Crenshaw, and flight engineer Colonel Dick Giagardi. And, you know, they're introducing themselves. And the one woman, Naomi Karen Shaw, is very ice cold. In fact, I like the fact that <clears throat> when she's talking, her dialogue to her is very, the bottom's like very, very frigid looking to show that she's giving her like the cold shoulder. Like she doesn't want anything to do with this newcomer to their team. And as they're talking, uh, who is this? I believe it's uh, Dick Giardotti, whatever. Yeah, Dick. He's talking to Connie about, you know, how humbling it is, and they love to examine the alien technology and so forth. And Naomi kind of nudges him and says, you just drew it again, dick. Let's stick to reality, okay? Oh, sure. Would you like to know that she may be up to something, or she's just a uh, cold-hearted bitch? And then on page nine, Connie's reporting to Grace, and she says that the crew seemed friendly enough. I can't help feeling they're keeping me at a distance. Again, I don't know if I would call Naomi's reception really friendly, but... Because, in fact, here on the bottom page 8, she mentions that, you know, I don't know what went on, but if folks could kill, Naomi would have sent Giardi in a box. Strange. So I, I don't know how she's missing out on the fact that Naomi seems to be disliking her automatically, but... And then moving on with the story here on the bottom page 9... Uh, we get a little caption somewhere at the same moment while Connie's reporting in. We get some, looks like a guy, his name tag's blacked out, his face is in shadows, talking to uh, what I believe is a dominator on a little messaging device or something. It looks like a little compact mirror almost, a little bigger than that. Again, much like the last issue, it doesn't necessarily need to be aliens. You can change some of the dialogue. In fact, we don't even see who this is. His ears are a little pointed. It's the only thing that really gives him away is being an alien. And that can even be explained away. So, I don't know how much of this, this storyline was written for Invasion or how much of it was something else that was opted out and changed to fit the Invasion. Uh, I may have to talk with Paul again one of these days. Again, I've got him on Facebook. I'll have to maybe hit him up and see what he thinks and if he remembers the story. In fact, feel free to be able to do that tomorrow. But anyways, that's enough about the past, which is my future, which is your past, which is... Anyways, so we get Connie in the, the usual space simulator stuff you see on TV. She's in that uh, shuttle thing, whatever it is, the, the uh, centrifuge, where she's spinning around and around. They're rattling up to 8Gs, 9Gs, trying to see if she can take the strain of going into space. And here at the bottom of page 10, the, the, I don't know, the holder, the thing that holds on to the, the little cart she's in breaks off and she goes flying across the room. Make her rushing over. You okay? And I know everything's in one place. And, uh, you know, excuse me if I don't take your word for a client. Let's go to the medics. She's like, now I know how a carousel horse feels. <laughs> and again, she said, we get her inner thought dialogues. She's not too dizzy to realize that someone's trying to kill her. And again, here on page uh, 12, Connie in her night gear, is breaking into uh, one of the bedrooms, trying to find out what's going on. And she's, you know, she's like, well, I'm no expert, but this looks a hell like figures on escape velocity and extraterrestrial orbits. And she said apparently the Atlantis isn't supposed to leave Earth's orbits, unless it's coupled with stolen technology. So about that time, Gil Darty walks in the room, and he sees our night. And again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Almost every time I see this in the night, I love these designs of this costume. It's a great costume. I love it. So he runs away and he, she's like, I can't tell he's running because of my costume appearance or because he's guilty and feels, or something he feels he's been found out. 
I guess I'll have to ask him which one it is. And if I walked into my room at night and I saw someone in a costume like that, searching through stuff, I don't know, it might kind of frighten me too. But <laughs> as she runs, she runs into three security guards. And, whoa, what's your hurry? Mama, what's she supposed to be? Since Halloween's over, I think the lady's got a load of explaining to do. And so, again, these three guards try to take her down. And, again, she's a knight. Three security guards. Even if they do work for NASA, NASA is not going to stop a checkmate knight. She kind of pushes them aside. She doesn't want to hurt them because they're doing their job. So she jumps out the window and runs away. And she's all, like at least on the second story, it looks like. So... Again, these knights, are, they're, they're good at getting away from trouble. And as she's running away, her butt's not too bad either. <laughs> but again, she sees Gerard leaving, so she jumps on a motorcycle and follows him. As he heads towards the shuttle, uh, Colonel Godardi takes something into the ship. And like she's sneaking aboard, trying to find out what's going on. And as I got on the coverage, uh, she takes Godardi out of the shuttle. They do a little fight fight, a little run run. And she tries, he's trying to climb up the gantry. Why they always run for a higher ground, I don't know. I guess maybe he watched Star Wars Episode 3 and he wants a higher ground so he has the advantage. I have the high ground. You underestimate my power. Don't try it. I don't know, but it doesn't help him. She grabs him. She tries to pull him down. They fight a little bit, and he falls to his death. And again, I really like the way these panels are drawn, laid out. Uh, here on bottom, page 17 to the far left, we get a, a panel of Jari, 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 whatever, how you pronounce it. Falling and she's like, Drawdy! And he's like, And the next panel to the right, we see him just black on the ground. It's not vivid. It's not, you know, it's it's far away. It's up from her point of view, but you get the sense that he ain't gonna be back for the sequel. To quote, Rush Hour 2, 3, I lost track of where it's at. Anyways. And she's like, well, you know, if, if what I think is going to go down, he could have been doing this alone, which means there's another party in play. So she hides out of the rocket to find out who it is. And again, it's really weird. I don't know if it's a third party or maybe it's just, I get out of for NASA, but they've got, you know, Connie disappears, which is our knight. Then Dick dies and they're still going to have to launch. I would think that they were already manned down, so they got Connie in. She disappears. Another astronaut dies. But again, they are in the middle of War with Aliens. So as uh, one of the people here say, I'm not quite sure offhand who it is, but a NASA and the Pentagon have decided that getting the tri-satellite in orbit's top priority, that the aliens are playing another bomb on the installation, uh, bombing run, sorry, bombing run the installation, so the three astronauts are going to have to go alone. So she, Connie, belts herself in, hitches along. So I guess that, I mean, I guess ordinarily probably would scrap the mission or delay it. But seeing how, again, they're, they're afraid of being blasted by the aliens again. They, they've got to go for it with a low crew. And again, here on page 19, we get some great scenes of the shuttle taking off, separating. Uh, page 19 and 20, the shuttle's taking off and separating. It's a very good scene. And then here on page 21, our other trader reveals Rogers. And I like this, uh, Ray's like, oh man, that was absolutely beautiful. Let's go around and do it again. And then he's like, I don't think so, Ray. And then Rogers pulls the gun out. He's like, that screw up my flight plan, something fierce. And he says he's taking a, he's got a new foot mission profile. Connie jumps out. I guess she comes out. She tells Naomi sees her and she's like, Connie's all, shh. I love these night costumes. Jumps out and fights Rogers, beats the crap out of him. And again, the story goes along. They get control of the ship. And again, the the whole satellite things, they get it launched. Connie goes out and does a spacewalk because it gets stuck. 
But as they're launching it, they see the alien ships leaving. And give me a little little note here from the editor Jonathan. See Invasion Two for details. And as they're preparing to go back to Earth, we get another alien ship come flying into the scene. And then we end with the, the flash of light. That if you follow the invasion, if you listen to my Starman Manhunter podcast when I talked about this, this detonate the gene bomb exploding. Again, it goes off and turns everything in verse. And Connie's like, it's exploding. My God, what have they done? And it says the answer is revealed in Invasion 3 and next in Checkmate 13. Which I don't... I'm going to have to reread that again here soon. I don't think it really has much to do with the invasion other than... Oh, we'll get that next month. But, uh, again, overall, it was a great issue. I, I love Checkmate. It was a great comic. I love the art in it. Uh, Paul did a fantastic job with the writing. Again, my only, not really nitpick, but question is, was there, was this a, a, a invasion story that he wrote? Or was it a story that he had for something else and he, he manhandled it and shaped it into invasion to fit in that slot? Again, I'm going to have to hit him up on Facebook and ask him and see what he can get his opinion on that or his thoughts for your members. Again, it's been 25, 30 years or whatever. So, anyways, again, another great issue. I definitely recommend it. Uh, go out, and if you haven't read it yet, what are you doing listen to the podcast? Go out and buy it and recheck me. It's a great book. Uh, but that's going to do it for this time. Uh, nothing really to go into as far as letters or feedback or anything. So, we're going to call it a day here. Uh, join us next month for our next episode. For our next episode of Task Force X, where we'll talk about Suicide Squad 22 and 23. I believe 23 is the invasion tie-in for Suicide Squad, so it's going to tie in nicely with this month's. And again, if you've missed my Starman Manhunter podcast here a while back, uh, just a couple episodes ago, but with my delay in scheduling, it was probably last year, I believe, I talked about the invasion as far as concerning Mark Shaw Manhunter and Will Smith, Will Smith, that's the rapper, uh, Will Payton Starman, and their, their tie-ins with it, so check out that. And as I talked about earlier, for full information on the invasion, check out Cisco and Boss's uh, First Strike the Invasion podcast, where they're covering each, uh, each issue in depth and covering the entire run. And while I'm throwing out promotion, promotion, promotions, promotions, Check out uh, my Head Speaks podcast where I've started covering the Armageddon 2001 crossover. And the final thing I want to plug, Pat Sampson, one of my co-hosts over on my G.I. Joe Real American Headcast podcast. He's got his own pad- podcast called the, forgot the name of it, uh, Long Box Show, uh, sorry, Long Box Crusade. And in episode 14, which he released February the 22nd, uh, he had me on as a guest as we talked about Checkmate number 15, which I'll be covering in a couple months over here. But if you want to hear me talk about that, we also talked about Starman number 10, which I'll be covering over my Starman Manhunter podcast here in a month or so. We talked about Daredevil 266 and Transformers 52. Uh, go over there and listen to me, Pat, Jared, I think his brother Jason was uh, on there, both the Albert brothers, Albert, Albert, Albert brothers, and their buddy uh, Dev. Devin? Devin. Uh, the Dark Web. You know who it is. Go check us out. Go listen to episode 14 of The Long Box Crusade. It came out February the 22nd. And while you're there, check out his other episodes. He's got The long, the Crusader, Chron- Crusader Chronicles and The Long Box Crusade. Great show. Pat's a great guy. Uh, so is Jared and Jason. Uh, the whole, whole crew. Just a bunch of you guys. Check them out. But... That's going to do it for promotions and me talking this month. Until next month when we get a double dose of Suicide Squad. Well, squad mates, fall out. for listening to another great episode of Task Force X. I can also be found rambling on my main headcast of Head Speaks, where I rant and rave about movies, comics, geek stuff, and whatever is bugging me. Mate, you just out crazy the Joker. <laughs> 
Well, I tried Boomer, but... Anyways, my home on the internet is at headspeaks.com. H-E-A-D-S-P-E-A-K-S dot C-O-M. Links to my blog, which contain follow-up information to this and every headcast, can be found there. Both Task Force X and Headspeaks are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at headspeaks.com under headcasts. Please feel free to email me any questions, comments, or concerns to taskforcex at headspeaks.com. And if you want to record a message, you can send it to me at taskforcex at headspeaks.com, and I'll play it on the air. I'm also on Facebook at taskforcex, and also on Google+, you can look for taskforcex under people and pages. All titles and characters discussed are owned and copyrighted by DC Comics. I claim no ownership to the Suicide Squad, Checkmate, or Task Force X. I'm just a big fan wanting to spread the Task Force X love with everyone else. Uh, DC Comics can be found on the web at dccomics.com. Be sure to visit your local comic shop and look for Suicide Squad and Checkmate Comics. And while you're there, see what else they have that may interest you. <laughs> well, make sure you join us here next time for another fun-filled headcast from your friendly neighborhood, Brotherhead. In the meantime, I'll see you in the funny pages. Yippee!